All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What was that rocket? What rocket? I was just in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? everyone dj nubis and dj nico with you on the metal time radio podcast episode 98 our first one technically of 2021 and so much to talk about already. <laughs> i mean we're not we're not even going to get into any politics we're here to talk about fun stuff no and- in fact i was just telling someone today on facebook i'm like because they were saying the same thing they were like you know I had to kind of stop talking politics. It was so draining, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, you know, we're gonna have a new regime here in, in America. We got a new president, and whatnot. So that's fine. Uh, democracy did what it's supposed to do. Well, it was interesting today when I took my mom to her doctor visit. She was talking with because, like, her doctor has like her assigned. She has an assigned nurse and an assigned doctor, and they work together. So. The nurse was like, yeah, are you hearing that, like, these people who stormed the Capitol, some of them are, like, losing their jobs? I'm like, you know what? It serves them right. Like, they, they were all so proud to go in and do it, and they were streaming it online. You had, you had a freaking, who was the, the lawmaker in West Virginia was there. He got arrested today. Well, apparently, if you are... um if you are employed by the federal government and you participated that in any way, you are um, liable. Yeah, you're yeah. you're going to lose your job. It's against. There, there's there's not many jobs right now that would accept that. Like it, it, it what happens is yeah. Once... I, took, I took off of work to go storm the Capitol. I mean, honestly, I understand people have their what they protesting is one thing, but we always come back to this no matter which it side just escalates. You're on. Yeah, you either cross the line or you don't. And you know, regardless if you feel like you're justified in doing so, and I know we're getting into politics, but this is just a mini politics. Right. Even if you feel like you're justified, there are consequences. No you know, whether it's some people some people got hurt, shot, killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Capitol people, police officer died. And the chick that was there died. Uh 
You know, there's people losing their jobs. Like So, like, there are consequences. So, yeah, okay, you're going to stand up for what you believe in. But the good news is there's a majority of protesters, no matter who it is, that aren't crazy. I'm just going to put it that way. They're not the ones out there trying to harm other people or trying to do things illegally. They're just out there using their First Amendment rights to go out there and speak out. So we'll leave it at that. We've got, you know... It's We've got a lot of interesting things to talk about. It goes from penises <laughs> to... A uh, couple of reviews for Cobra Kai. Some and sad Vikings. news. Yeah, sad news. Uh, very sad news, actually. We'll, we opened up the show with Screams of Hockamock, who did a cover of Downfall, which, weirdly enough, was going to be my choice for the Children of Bodom song we're going to play in this episode. However... Because I came across this new record from these guys, they actually did a cover of it. So I said, well, I'll just open it up with that. So we're going to, after the first uh, block of music, we're going to talk a little bit about Lexi and his legacy with Children of Bodom. Or Bottom, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah, I've always wondered that. I, it happened... I think it's pronounced Bottom. Um, but then I can't be 100%. But I've heard people say Bodom, too. Like... Well, I, well, it's like anything else. When I talk about like Celtic Frost or Celtic Frost, I've always known as Celtic Frost. But you know, I think the the correct way is Celtic Frost. I what was interesting too when COVID first started, a lot of people were kind of calling it COVID, like because yeah. it the it just it, depends on how they pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, so they're kind of saying it like a COVID. Almost that sounds weird, but. You know, before it was in the news 24-7, you know, right in our faces, it was like boom, bam, boom. And you, depending on where you lived, you kind of put your own, uh, I guess, inflection on the word. So it happens to us all the time when we're looking at these bands. We'll, we'll pronounce something one way, but it, it... Oh, yeah. And then you, God forbid, you get bands that are like... You know, you don't know how to pronounce it, so then you feel bad when you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the end, like, all that's important is the music that you're hearing. We want everyone to hear all the music And that's possible. why I list everything on the podcast side, because, like, if you can't, if we don't pronounce it right, at least you can read it and get the link to it on Facebook and all that. So, it's all covered one way or the other. Um, so, yeah... Christmas time, I got uh, my nephew, I believe. Uh, I think Tyler's my Tyler's nephew. Tyler's your nephew. He's my sister's kid. So I was going to clarify myself with that, because Adam's my cousin. Yeah, so I, I'm the oldest child in my family out of, like... So my, my cousin Adam was born when I was 18, and, you know, when Scott and I started... Oh, my God, I'm sorry. When DJ Anubis and I <laughs> started dating... Uh, I, I was only 21 and, you know, that only put a Adam at like, what, four, maybe yeah. three, four. So he kept thinking Adam was my nephew and I'm like, no, no, no. Adam's my, my younger cousin because I also have another younger cousin. Uh, who is the youngest? Is, is Bailey? Is he younger than Adam? They're, no, Adam is younger. They were both, they were born six months apart and I, I think, uh. Adam is younger. Um, Adam was February. Bailey was was August. Um, so he kept thinking that these were like my my little nephews, and I'm like, no, 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 they're they're my cousins. They're my mom's brother's kids, <laughs> and my dad's, you know. But Tyler is my um, my nephew. He's my oldest of my sister's children. 
But anyway, he uh, he got a PS5 for Christmas and yeah, a PS5. They, my sister. They bent over backwards to get that puppy. Well, it was kind of interesting because they they did they they looked and looked and looked and my sister even bought this candle like that said something like "Sorry, you're not getting a PS5." <laughs> and my mom and dad and my sister they're because they like split the cost because it's kind of expensive. Uh, kind of. Yeah, and Shit. then also for his birthday because he plays piano, my dad got him. My dad and my sister got him a new piano for his birthday, too. Or, well, like, keyboard. And, um, so, my, they all promised him, like, look, if you don't get this for Christmas, as soon as it's back in stock, we'll definitely buy you one. But, like, right now it's just really hard to find. Well, my sister, she, when she gets, like, a, she's like a dog with a bone. She won't stop. And she found a guy, I think he was just... Oh, on Facebook Marketplace, and um, he actually pre-ordered his <laughs> from two places, and his pre-order for one came in earlier. So when he went, sold the other one, so he sold the other one that he got, I think, from Best Buy. But he didn't like gouge my sister or anything at all. He just charged like a hundred dollars more. Well, a long way around all this. I know, that's what I do. I got the hand-me-down for Xbox One, which is is like a massive upgrade for me because I was on Xbox 360. He got that Xbox 360 for his 40th birthday 11 years ago. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, you know, now he downloaded everything. And so come next episode, not uh, this one here, but the next one we'll be doing, there's going to be some bragging rights because my partner here... We've gotten into Mortal Kombat 11, and so, like, there's... Right now, we're waiting on another controller. But, uh, a lot of shit talking from this one over here about how she's going to decimate me uh, at this game. He plays it on very easy, and I play it on medium, and... But it's not that I can't. I just, you know, I'm kind of playing possum right now. But then you watch me play, and you're like, yeah. Oh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. But you've always been talking... What was the game? Soul Calibur, you Mm -hmm. said? Yeah, she's like... She's always been into that game, and I thought maybe she'd play Killer Instinct. I'd have to see if she ever... Uh... Um, I might have. Um, like, do they turn into animals and stuff? Well, and... some are animals. Okay. Like, Saber Wolf is one I like. Um, but, you know, you think of, like, you mentioned Tekken at one point. Tekken, Tekken 3 was my jam. And Street Fighter. We, those are all games that we used to play a lot of. Um... But see, the thing is, I haven't played Mortal Kombat since before I met him in 2002. So well, I haven't played it even earlier than that. Yeah, so so it was before I met you. The guy I dated very seriously for a long time um, before I met Anubis. Um, he and I grew up together basically, and we played video games. We would lose days. We would sit in his room playing video, and I'm like, thank God there are other nerdy men out there. Because when I broke off my engagement to him and I, I started dating again and, and Anubis was like, oh, you're really sweet and really nice. I'm like, I'm kind of a mess, but thank you. <laughs> so anyway, uh, maybe by the time we uh, go into the next podcast, we'll play a few games. And, then, and of we'll course, see who the real Mortal Kombat champion is. That yeah. would be me. Yeah, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then maybe we'll get lucky and the Mortal Kombat trailer will get released. I don't know when it's supposed to be released uh, as a movie, but we know there's one in the works, so I'm really excited about that. Anywho, uh, new stuff for sure in this episode. I got some stuff from um, Metal Devastation Radio, Horror Pain, 
Kobar PR, uh, and that's about it for them. Um, do have some stuff from Superlord, Funerous, uh, Sacrilege, Peanut, and her things going off. We got uh, Neko's Pick of the Week in a Rock Buck, as usual. Got a lot of classic stuff in there as well for you. We're going to kick off first block of music with some inner fire. This is Morbid Inception.
Roger from No Moss. And also Ben from No Hey, Henry over here from No Moss. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Come get it. You live. Yeah, and John too. <laughs> DJ News back with you. And well, DJ's Neko. DJ's Neko is here too. Well, DJ's Neko has a lisp and also wears Invisalign, so like it's been really fucking with my speech. I had I had a Zoom interview slash meeting. Unlike me, she has a valid excuse for her lisp and shit. But like, <laughs> I um, I made sure I took out my Invisalign yesterday before my interview because I was yeah. I'm like. I don't want them to think I'm, like, having a stroke. Special kid. <laughs> so, we're going to break out the sad news first. Yeah. Uh, Alexi Leho, uh, Children of Bodom, passed away a few days ago. Um, and I had not known that he had been battling health issues. Like, I... I really didn't know. He's only 41 when this happened, so... They, they've never been really, like... Um specific about his health issues really either like they just kind of say he's been suffering from health issues uh for a long time so i you know i hate hearing somebody who is is talented and you know you kind of grow to love them from their music and then you don't even really know he's sick because he just he never spoke out about it the band never really they just kind of kept it big and said health issues. Yeah, they really haven't uh, expanded on it at all. Uh, I think, you know, whatever it was, I don't know if he had diabetes or whatever, but I mean, I'm just kind of spitballing, but something to take you that fast, you know, or this early has got to be pretty serious. So he did a pretty good job of keeping it on the wraps uh, the entire time. Now, uh, Children of Bun, of course, started around... 97 or so with their Something Wild album which got a lot of uh, good recognition at the time um, their, their brand of melodic death metal etc. A little bit of thrash in there but uh, I ended up liking the sophomore album Hate Breeder a lot which is where the song Downfall uh, that Screams of Hockamock covered early to start the show so Hate Breeder was kind of like my pinnacle. I also like Follow the Reaper a little bit. And then, of course, sporadically, uh, other songs here and there. Now, I know one guy that we hang with at the Maryland Death Fest, Sebastian's like a big fan of this band, big fan of Alexi, and I hit him up on Twitter uh, saying how I'm sorry that his you know, favorite band and idol's gone. So he was appreciative of that. Uh, he also appeared with... Uh, Kimberly Goss for Synergy, a band, a side band they had, he had done, and I liked a couple of their records as well. Goss, of course, had sung uh, on the side with like Ancient and Demi Borgir, Therian, stuff like that. So she played keyboards and stuff like that. But on this band, uh, she was mainly the front woman of that, and I think they were dating at the time that they started. So I can't remember, but it's been a while. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's just, it's really sad that he's gone. Uh, it caught me by surprise when Neko hit me up and... Yeah, you were working and I was probably just with my mom or something and I... Sometimes my phone just 
it'll give you random updates updates, and it was like you know breaking news and i'm like holy crap so yeah i was i was kind of shocked i know i know anubis like really likes alexi likes children of Bowden. i like some of the songs you know they're not my absolute favorite but they're not yeah, I mean, I was never, like, the hugest, hugest fan, like some people are. Like, Sebastian clearly was a huge fan of theirs. Uh, I thought they, you know, got a little stale towards the end. But, I, you know, either way, uh, every band has their own identity. And I think when you hear Children of Bodom, they have their own identity. It's like, you know, when you hear Ozzy or Kiss, you, you know who it is. Mm-hmm. Children of Bodom is kind of the same way. You hear them, you know exactly who they are. Uh, and they've had a lot of talent in the band, you know. I think the keyboardist went to do Warman, which is a band that I've played before. Um, so it's not like there wasn't any talent there. Alexi was a great guitarist, very inspired by uh, hard rock from the 80s. And uh, that's what makes us love him, because we're inspired by hard rock from right. the 80s. So, uh, just passing along the sad news, Alexi Leho dead at 41. Obviously, most people know by now that that this happened but uh we're just showing our appreciation and we're gonna kick off this next block with a track that's actually one of my favorites from his later records it's called six pounder and we'll be back
softer than a baby's ass. Never underestimate your enemy. I made you what you are, not Kreese. He doesn't give a shit about you. The enemy of your enemy is Fred. Hey, yo, Hawk. Free shot. Sorry. For all of it. Do you want to help me win this thing? Yeah. Alright, a little bit of a clip there from Cobra Kai Season 3. See, I, I, it completely has passed my expectations. We, uh, we signed up for the YouTube Premium when Cobra Kai first came out because you and I have both been big fans of the Karate Kid and Kung Fu slash martial arts movies in general. So when we heard about Cobra Kai, I'm like, yeah, we'll sign up for this and watch, you know, the first season. And then it kind of like went away. And then when Netflix bought the Cobra Kai, we're like, yeah, let's watch this again. And we're like, you know it's just been so crazy and then they released season three and we blew through it in like two days i mean <laughs> we just consumed it yeah uh you know i was I, I forget who i was talking to but i was telling them you know i saw the original karate kid at 14 it's 1984 when this movie got released it was like summer i think mm -hmm. and i was by myself but and not just by myself going to the theater there was people in the theater it wasn't very packed, but I remember watching this, and my first experience here with what I would deem a celebration of people in the audience. Mm -hmm. So the minute Daniel LaRusso lands that click kick on Johnny Lawrence, everyone erupts in cheers. Everybody, including myself. Like, that's what the kind of energy it would give you. And see, nowadays... When we go to movies, people do that all the time. But back then, you know, nobody really did that right. at all. That, but that, that shows you, like, just how good of a story writing that movie was. Um, now, we can obviously go into second and third movies and fourth movies. But the reality is, one thing you pointed to is with Cobra Kai, again, it's the writing that's doing the work. And I was just reading an article on IGN.com. Basically, they're saying that the first season we had them redoing a tournament with Miguel and uh, who's the, who's who's Johnny's son? Um, Daughter? No, no, Johnny's son. Oh, fuck! Sorry. And, anyway, they're they're competing for the title, obviously, and of course Miguel wins, and Cobra Kai regains the championship and the glory. Uh, but since then, it's been just 
story writing about the characters involved. Like, they haven't gone back to the tournament yet. Now they're working their way back to that. <coughs> For season four. Right. But the one thing about the clip I just played was a character named Hawk. He he was a guy that was being bullied in high school. Same with Miguel. Both of them were, were being bullied. Uh, and Johnny Lawrence, of course restarts Cobra Kai and he takes on these guys and gals who are misfits and out of place and this is very unlike what John Kreese his sensei did when they were uh, in their dojo years ago because Kreese's philosophy is you gotta be strong so anyone who doesn't fit that if you're a weakling or a nerd or just a misfit and you can't hold up you're out uh, that's not Johnny's thing. That's that's sort of the greatness of what Johnny Lawrence has done in terms of a character by coming full circle uh, and dealing with some of these things and dealing with his past with Crease and so here it is, Hawk and that ep uh, that clip, you know, had been basically turn turning on his own friends who were now part of Miyagi Miyagi Do. And well, Hawk kind of. He's, you know, he's always doubted things, but... But he really, like... Remember how he was picked on, mm -hmm. and then he got stronger just, you know, from learning karate, and, you know, he was built up by the people around him. And now it's like... It got into his head. But then he... You know, you kind of see him throughout season three, where he's like still trying to he's getting cheered on by all these people who used to pick on him and then you see though something changing in hawk like he knows like crease is just fucking up right they they ended that was a scene where they were raiding actually dan the Russo's house la russo uh, la russo excuse me and la russo you know they're tearing the place up it's like dojo against dojo but at one point earlier in the series, um, Hawk had broken Dimitri's arm, uh, which was basically a send a message. But here, and they were like best friends, right? Right. <laughs> so here it was: a couple of guys were getting a better Dimitri and told Hawk, "Hey, come take a free shot." And I think at this point, Hawk was just reevaluating his his everything that he had done, and ended up turning against his own guys. And saving Dimitri, and then they both went and beat up some guys, and then they kind of won the day. Uh, I can kind of relate to Hawk in a lot of ways, not with everything that goes on in his past, but... Did you have a Mohawk? No, but uh, the thing that I liked was it's twofold. Like, one, I get how he sees... He's kind of like an anti-hero at this point. Like, he's starting to become more of a hero because of the ending. We know how that ends. Well, I mean, you always have spoken about when you were a kid, you were just kind of a loner. But then when you um, you met the doctors, it was like the first time you really had like a, a big group of people and you were meeting girls and feeling popular. So it's like a lot different than what you were used to. Well, the thing is, like, when I look at Hawk, like there's a scene where they're in the dojo for Cobra Kai and... The couple guys that come in there, because at this point, Kreese is recruiting. He's mm -hmm. recruiting. Yeah, Johnny's out. Johnny's doing his own thing. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Eagle Fang? Kung Fu? Yes! 
Um, but Kreese is recruiting, and he's recruiting people who are bullies, recruiting people who are strong, and eventually he recruits a couple guys that picked on Hawk when he was not so not so big. And they're in a dojo, and one of these guys that picked on was kind of like a, a basically a big loser. He's not even like the sharp-looking Asian kid who picked on him, but the other guy. And so Kreese is having people uh, spar. And uh, Kreese knows what's going on. He's not dumb. He, mm-hmm. he knows exactly who these guys are. So he chooses this, this big fellow to come and uh, fight Hawk. And, or no, Hawk said he, he wants him. He wants a piece of that action. Because he knows he's better than he was and he can defend himself. So He can defend himself now. So Hawk goes, whips his ass. I mean, whips his ass. And Kreese is like, finish him off. And I mean, he's not dead, but you know he really fucked him up. And then they threw that guy out of the dojo because he couldn't hang. So there is a scene when Hawk walks back to the side where everyone's standing. And the Asian guy there, who's part of that clique that used to bully him, uh, isn't isn't so brave anymore. He sees, he sees Hawk, that Hawk, yeah, Hawk isn't someone to mess with. Now, granted, they all like kind of team up to continue to pick on the uh, Miyagi Dojo, but the scene that we played, of course, is when Hawk has that just transference of like, okay, I'm not really this person. Uh, I'm better than I was, but I'm not this person. I'm not the bully. Yeah, so. you're not. You're. He's like, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be this huge asshole. Right. So we we just see a lot of this like character change with Johnny Lawrence and like obviously the running joke is are you Johnny Team Johnny Lawrence or Team Daniel? I'm Team Johnny, of course. I think one thing with Johnny, and we've seen it in every season, like timing is always off for him yeah. like something happened because johnny you can tell just has a a, a a sweet heart but he still has that rough edge because every time something happens like remember at the beginning when he was just kind of like doing handyman services and that woman was like screaming at him about hanging it the wrong on wall. the wrong wall and it it just always feels like poor Poor Johnny is always caught in the wrong situation. Well, just... it's kind of like the running joke. He he's so caught far off of like um, out of time. Like he living, he's still living in the eighties, basically. You know, he's into uh, hard uh, hot cars, not like fancy cars. You know, like the hot rods in the back in the day. He likes hard rock, like Wasp and Rat, which we hear soundtracks mm-hmm. in the season, which is wonderful. Um, and he he just talks like an old, you know, like me. <laughs> like an old man? Uh, but as Neko pointed out, you know, he's a guy that's kind of reevaluating where he came from. So as it's going along and he's seeing Miguel, because Miguel's hurt at the end of season two. And he's decided that at first he was feeling a lot of guilt about it, which, you know, understandable. Because, you know, he restarted this thing and allowed Crease back into his life, so... He got bit in the ass there with that. But the wonderful thing about season three, and this is where a lot of series, in my opinion, go wrong. Okay, we had a lot of, like, cameos, basically, uh, in season three. Allie, the girl from the original Karate Kid, came back. Um, Elizabeth Shue. Uh, At first, you're thinking, oh, God, he's going to mess up 
his relationship with Miguel's mother, who he had just started sleeping with and dating. And we're thinking, oh, God, he's still got his feelings for Allie. What's going to happen? So he catches himself, and, you know, he's like, okay, that worked out fine. They've, they've managed to remain friends and encourage each other because she was coming out of a divorce or separation. And so the writers didn't fuck it up by saying, oh, we're going to have this love triangle. Yeah, thank God. That we do every fucking time we have a fucking series, which is so overdone. Uh, then the other thing is, and which is great, if you ever saw Karate Kid 2, uh, the actors and actresses from that, uh, the one who played Olsen, the guy that uh, Daniel LaRusso fights at the end to the death, uh, they don't die, of course, but uh, the guy that he fought in that is back for this season, as well as the girlfriend from uh, Okinawa. And uh, it's really, really clever because it ties in with shit that's going on in America with him and his car dealership and everything. So we get to find out about the young girl he saved, uh, stuff like that. But instead of having this like, oh my god, we're going to go through this recycle of where or 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 what's going to happen like daniel's married with kids now and she's right. like and she it, it almost felt like they were insinuating that too because they were like she's like oh i've never gotten married right, right. and i've never had any kids but uh instead of going the usual route they would with this stuff they just they actually played it smart i love it uh olsen ended up being a guy that actually taught daniel some more martial arts based off Miyagi's uh, philosophies and stuff. So I know these are spoilers, so I apologize. You're going to get spoilers for the Vikings, too. So if you hate this already, stop now. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, it it was also kind of interesting because um, he had all these collections of things from... Letters and stuff. Letters and the Miyagi... um, the the scroll from the that has the the secret moves and everything it was it was just it was good that they they played it that way cuz at first he was like being all grumpy and oh Daniel son and then well he was also was doing the whole like being the asshole like very stern and like you know he was being respectful but it was like you were not sure if he was there to like restart this uh, feud with Daniel and not. And Daniel was very worried about it because he was ready to move on from that. Uh, not expecting to see him, but it was set up by uh, Kamiko. Mm-hmm. Is that her right name? Uh, who was his love interest in that movie. So it, it all comes out and turns out very well. And even the ending, I think you can kind of see it coming because you knew it, but it's nice to see what was happening. And uh, I don't know if season four is going to be the finality because you know you what you've done is you've kind of brought things to a closure in a way. So, I mean, they could go for two or three more. I think they're just kind of feeling it out. So I think, I think yeah, because at the end they were talking, they were trying to shut down the All-Valley Karate Championship, but then Daniel and Johnny and Chris all went to the... the uh, public forum and all fought for it and then Miguel came and Daniel's daughter came and they were all saying this is important to us so finally they decided yes it's going to happen so you kind of see it all wrapping up with uh, Johnny and Daniel finally realizing that they have more in common with each other 
than they they initially thought. And Which is something that Allie was pointing mm-hmm. out to him. And that, I think that was a big part of that last episode of the season where Allie, um, she really just, she was exactly herself, you know, from the first movie, but like as an adult now. Right. And it was just nice when Johnny went to the country club because Allie invited her for this party and Daniel's there and then Johnny is like freaking out because he's like god damn this motherfucker he already he took my girl again and it was more like Daniel's wife and Allie were being girls like we do going Mm -hmm. to the bathroom chit chatting and (laughs) And Daniel's wife is just like, please tell me, tell me more about him. Mm-hmm. Yes, I need to hear like all the nonsense. And but I think the kind of little speech that Allie gave to Johnny at the end kind of it really solidified him with. Well, that's that's a key thing is that Johnny was actually being honest about who he was seeing, which is great because because mm-hmm. normally he's just like, yeah, I just want to screw chicks, so. right? Mm-hmm. And I think Allie picked up on how much he actually liked this girl. Uh, so that's very key. And instead of Allie like, trying to reignite that relationship, she decided that, hey, we're good friends. We've, we've come to terms with our past. And you really like this woman, so this is something you need to hold on to. And she's like, to. don't fuck it up, please. Right. So, And the writers, again, really great job of not going the same route that so many series I think just it's like a recycle and I hate it like I just at some point you have to kind of move beyond that and this has done a really good job with that and I like what they did like with Daniel apparently like because you and I don't come from and in, in Maryland at least martial arts are not like a huge thing around here and I guess maybe it just might be in the 80s in California was a a bigger thing so with Daniel being this like unknown who won the All Valley Championship beat Cobra Kai he was smart and you know they always are referencing Mr. Miyagi clearly because Daniel is is trying to keep with his Mr. Miyagi um, legacy and so what you see is Daniel using his past and his, I don't want to say past trauma, but Daniel, you know, he did, he clearly grew up in Reseda, which is where Johnny now lives. And it's kind of like... It's like a role reversal. Yeah, it's a role reversal. Daniel now has a membership to the country club where Johnny's, you know, rich parents used to. And you see Johnny's stepfather... Um, played by Ed Asner, which I love. Um, He is just, he has all this money and he's just like a huge asshole still to Johnny. And I, I, I find that they're taking their people, their characters and developing it just, and really just kind of touching on the past that makes you kind of feel that nostalgia. And what's interesting. Well, and they also like that article, you know, I posted, it talks about, why like their their point was not everybody is out to be a bad person sometimes there are things that trigger in their past how they grow up mm-hmm. and you know of course 
Daniel had a good thing with Miyagi when he was young because that helped him grow confidence. And remember, he, Mr. Miyagi, even when Daniel was like going to college or whatever, he's like, Daniel was always so passionate about cars. And Mr. Miyagi had all these old cars. And um, Mr. Miyagi told him, if you uh, find your passion, this is what everybody says, but find your passion, you'll never work a day in your life, go forward with your passion. And that's what Daniel did, and he ended up being very successful. Yep. Uh, there is one very cool scene that Neko and I really love in this uh, series for the season three. And uh, as we stated, uh, Johnny Lawrence is a big rock and roll fan, uh, especially hard rock and metal. <laughs> so why he's helping Miguel uh, rehab, because when Miguel hurt himself, he was basically paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So for a while, he was in a wheelchair and kind of down because it wasn't really happening for him. And, and Johnny was just there for him. He's like, stand up, you pussy. Like, it was just, he was trying to be... Well, that was the thing. He got scared because Crease was like, well, once we get Miguel back in the fold, and Johnny's like, that's not happening. So he knew right then and there that he had to go back, face his guilt, his fears, and get Miguel to, like, get off his ass and get better so he mm -hmm. can... And that's and that's and it kind of happened in a funny way because up until the point of the concert, Miguel hadn't been able to move his feet or anything. So he gets in the wheelchair, takes Miguel to see D. Snyder, which is awesome. Uh, and of course, he says he says he's a Make a Wish kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and Johnny and Miguel are taking selfies, throwing up the horns, and it, it's just a lot of fun. And then of course we notice Johnny notices that Miguel is tapping his foot. And he shows it to Miguel, who then gets really excited. So it's just a lot of feel-good stuff in here, a lot of redemption for stuff, people like Hawk. Um, even for Olsen and Daniel, who come to terms with their past. Uh, even at, by the end of the last episode, where it basically Johnny and Danny are teaming up with their both their uh, dojos mm -hmm. and working. Because at this point, they'd already had a full-blown fight with Crease, And they pretty much beat his ass like they helped each other beat this guy down and then Chris in true fashion was like well let's settle this the old-fashioned way mm -hmm. do it at the tournament sweep the leg right so uh we don't know quite everything that's going to happen in season four but we know that what's going to end up happening is lawrence and danny are going to teach their own philosophies together to these students both with what johnny was able to maintain with miguel and hawk and them Danny with uh, his his daughter and of course um, some of the other ones like Dimitri who are part of that dojo. Now the the one strange and not really unexpected turn is Johnny's son is actually teamed up with Chris now because he's had like a really troubled past and he's also felt left down be between Daniel and between Johnny because you know after that big fight. You know, he's the one he, that he was the hurt one Miguel. that hurt Miguel. Right. So he ran, and the police were after him. So he had to go to juvie. Right, and he didn't face a lot of positive things there either. So Robbie is his name. That's who I'm trying. Ah, to. there you go. So Robbie basically, Chris sees that you know he's not talking to Johnny or Daniel, and he's like he's taking advantage of that because that's what Chris does. So 
obviously Robbie and Miguel's ex-girlfriend, who I forget the name of, are going to be like the champions of that particular dojo with Cobra Kai. And then Miguel and, of course, Danny's daughter are going to be the champions of the two dojos they've got going with Hawk there as well. So uh, a lot to look forward in Season 4. I know they're already planning on doing it because they were talking about after Season 3 was done. I'm really excited about this series. What I, find I don't it, know if they're going to touch on any of Karate Kid 3 or 4. Um, I, I'm assuming that if 4 is just as successful as the rest, they may try to add some stuff later. To, like, most series try to go seven seasons, mm-hmm. but, but we don't know how this is going to play we, out. Yeah, I mean, with, with their success, and this is one thing that I've clearly... Everybody enjoys nostalgia, and... It plays on like a part of you from your past. And right now, with everybody working from home, or maybe they lost their job, or you know, maybe they're just struggling with everything going on in the world, nostalgia is kind of like your baby blanket when you were a kid, or your pillow, or your, your teddy bear, or whatever you had as a kid that you took to bed and you're like, this is this what's make, what makes me feel safe. Right now, there's, there, because of everything happening, COVID, you know, the presidential election, everything that has, it's, it's high level stress for everyone. You can't go anywhere. Restaurants are closed. People are losing jobs. You know, everything that happened at the Capitol the other day. So what's happening with us as adults, we're pulling for our favorite old nostalgic things. And I kind of said this to you, you know, when I first found out my mom was sick. And, you know, I, I watch Gilmore Girls all the time all the time but when my mom was sick i i just was really really like and when she was really sick i was watching it and watching it and watching it they say that there's something in your brain as an adult that when you start looking back at nostalgia you kind of take yourself back to like oh maybe that nice day at the beach or the picnic i had or whatever my first day at school and it, it kind of calms you down. So these people who are releasing Cobra Kai or anything that, or Stranger Things, anything that kind of pulls at your nostalgia or American Horror Story last year, mm-hmm. it just really is something that, and this is like literal, you know, psych- psychology that they're saying, it, you see something that, that you remember and even if it's not... Maybe if you could take away that memory or if you would show it to somebody maybe a little bit younger and they just maybe quite don't get it. For us, because we are middle-aged adults, it's like our baby blanket. (laughs) So these marketers are like, we're going to pull everything we can to make this as successful. And they got season three out in a heartbeat. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on demand. Like, yeah, big time right now, so. they they knew. They're like, okay, COVID's happening. We're gonna make the most out of this, and it's like trending, and it's great. And 
I, I find it very interesting. I've, I've read several articles. One was from the New York Times where it says, why we reach for nostalgia during times of crisis. And sometimes it's like, you know, you feel like your world's collapsing around you. I, I, I think it's what we say is we wish for the better days. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you and I have been very lucky during this because we're both considered essential employees. Our companies are essential. Em- you, so there has been no disturbance of anything. If, if anything, this year and the fiscal year between October and September, I've, I was gone nine months. I was working nonstop. You too, because you work for Amazon. So we've been lucky because we haven't really felt that kind of like sting where you know people whose small businesses had to close or people who lost their jobs or if you're working in the service industry or a restaurant industry and you don't know like what the future holds and then you know the government is giving you certain mandates you just have no idea so you and I both have learned this too when I joined this new company five years ago it's not new anymore but And then I became, you know, I started as a contractor and became permanent. Money makes a difference. It really does. And then when I started my new job two and a half years ago, and I started making a lot more money, it, money does make a difference. So when you take somebody's livelihood away and they absolutely have no way to make any money, you can see how desperate people are. I mean, you have no money. What are you going to do? Literally, you can't you, you you can't eat. You can't go to the doctor. You you can't afford your rent. So when you have all of that compounding on you, you feel like you're just gonna like explode internally. Cobra Kai is there to make you feel all warm and fuzzy for the '80s again. It's true. All right, let's get back into some music. Let's get back to the music. We're gonna get into stuff that Necker really loves. We got a little bit of funeral doom. Oh my gosh. Stoner doom and some death doom coming your way. Well, like, I, I might be okay with the death doom. Uh, but I'm a, I'm actually a big fan of Funerous. They have a new uh, EP out, and uh, even though this track's like 12 minutes long, I'm not playing Holy all of it. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm not playing it at all. So about seven minutes or so in, I'm gonna like fade it out into the next one. But uh. They are really good uh, funeral doom metal, and it's called Pyramids Beneath a Languid Sky.
Yeah, I think, uh... You think what? Blaze changed the name of the band at some point. I don't even know if he's still doing the band anymore, but, uh... I always appreciated that liner he gave us when it was a few years old, but, uh... We need to get more liners, definitely. But we, we should do something like a contest among our... Because we have several friends who are in bands. And, you know, get them to do liners, and whoever makes the best liner for us... And clearly, we we put in their music in the you know in the background. But whoever makes the best liner will get like a gift certificate or something, something to get a little friendly competition. Well, I'll actually let you handle that. Promotion. You want me to do that? Yeah. Okay, I'll try something like that to see if DJ Neko presents. So yeah, any you know, hopefully we get like a hundred and we can play a bunch of different liners. But whoever's liner, like we want something funny and creative and. Like, the Nomas one is so Nomas. Yeah, I'll tell you who all to tag, because I know that Vlad has a lot of bands. He hasn't given me any in a while, but usually he's one of the big ones that mm -hmm. give me liners, but we'll pass it along. Uh, certainly Nomas, Mikhail, stuff like that. Oh, what about What's-His-Face? Um, the guy in South America. Um, oh, Nuno? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to get a fucking liner from him. He'd probably be happy to do it, too. Uh, so I'm playing my speak over news at music Shin Godzilla, but we also have Shin Godzilla in the background. <laughs> just got done watching Godzilla 2000. We just were Godzilla fans, so we have a whole wall dedicated to Godzilla in our in yeah, our living room. Apparently, uh, Neko got some compliments the other day. We've been pricing out uh, HVAC stuff, so they enjoyed some of the tapes and nostalgia stuff we have. Listen, you. It was really funny because. Our house is very old, and we have the we have no AC. We use like window units, and <laughs> everybody keeps coming in. The furnace that we have in our house is the original one that was put in the house in 1954, and it still runs. And they're so, like looking at us like, "What the, the fuck?" They're like, "This thing belongs in the Smithsonian." Like, I'm like, "Are you guys going to be able to get rid of that?" I'm, I'm sure that thing is filled with asbestos. We're probably dying as we live, but we, um, the funny thing, what I found with you is, because, like, I always take lead of these things, and after I found out, like, our house is valued, like, $20,000 less than the other houses in the neighborhood because we don't have an updated HVAC system, mind you, we just replaced almost every window in the house we have a brand new roof with all these like fancy venting system insulation etc etc so i said you know what we're getting new hvac so i've been like talking to people asking for quotes and stuff and then the other day you were like i just can't wait to like just turn on the air conditioning <laughs> and it's not like some rattling thing in the window and it's not noisy well and it's not that uh the window units are bad. Like, even when you came up with the idea of getting the ones with the hoses are actually more convenient. However, when you're still battling getting the shit in the window, mm -hmm. and then when you're battling... Like, last summer, despite having... Before we put the other window unit in your room, your My uh, dressing office. room. Yeah. 
It was still hot, even with the fucking AC in it. So. And we're like, it, it usually doesn't get that hot. And you have to understand. It and gets, it's expensive it to run those. hot as shit during the summers because of the humidity. So, yeah, the thought of having a balanced heat and fucking AC that I don't have to worry about throwing in a fucking window unit that, one... They never really quite sit right like I really want them to. We again, so I have to sit there and I have to tape up to, all the spots. He has to like finagle it, and we have to get little <laughs> ledges and stuff. And plus, our house was built in '54, and all the newer window units are tiny, so it's like we have to fill in the gaps. When we first moved in here, our one unit, again probably from the '50s or '60s, that was in the dining room, it used um, one of the big fat plugs the uh 220 and um it was the size of the window we didn't have like any issue because it was made back in the day it still worked and then when it stopped working and it was basically kind of like two it, it was about 200 pounds wasn't it to get that thing out of the window that big monster i don't know but it's but know. then we replaced it with a smaller window unit and it's like every Air's leaking out even when we insulate the windows, and I'm well, like, "Well, we actually bullshit. did a pretty good job with that." But the the issues that we run into is we've gone through all the trouble of replacing these windows, and because the units are heavy now, granted, I do put brackets on there, but they still put a pull on the windows. Mm -hmm. So and these I are brand wanna, new, right? So I don't want to damage these windows any more than we already have. So getting HVAC and all that in would be like a blessing in disguise, not only just for current stuff but going down the road if we ever move it's it's better whatever so anyway besides all that we've got our rock we're rock coming running up. into the rock block 1980 style echoes pick of the week is coming up one of my favorite bands mm -hmm. um also got some new stuff from samsara blues experiment white dog vampires of rome uh given us given to us by uh I forget his name. I feel so fucking bad. But uh, it was sent to me recently. Snow from MDRP, uh, Metal Devastation Radio Promotions. MDRP sends you some shit. Dude, he anyway. is sending you shit like every day. Yeah. But we're going to kick it off some L7. This is from their recent release last year. L7's still around? Yeah. Holy shit. Last record wasn't too bad. This is one of those tracks. This is called Holding Pattern.
Do you live life in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champion flat card season. You could be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Gillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Capital City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Alright, DJ News. And DJ Neko. Back with you. Time for Neko's Pick of the Week. So what did you think about my Pick of the Week? Did, was it surprising or... Uh, not surprising with the band, surprising with the song. Not that it's a bad song, um, but obviously because of me. It is because but, of you. I've never heard of this band, and this band was famous, is famous. Never once in my life until... I remember the first time I played a song from for you way back when, and you were kind of like lukewarm. You were like, mm, I don't know. And then, I don't know, you went out with one of your friends in karaoke and came back you're like, I love this fucking band! Because I was singing all brat songs mm-hmm. all night long. It was so funny because I love taking over karaoke. I know that's probably, everybody hates me for that, but I don't care. A lot of times when you go to karaoke... You get people who think they're on American Idol. Karaoke is just for a bunch of drunk people to come and sing. I mean, and I don't know if anybody has ever done those private room karaoke's. We did it one time for a party, and that's a lot of fun. Like, you just control it yourself, everybody takes turns, and you actually have your own private waitress slash waiter come if you want something there's there's like a button you push and they'll come into your room they'll take your order bring you drinks etc but i used to do karaoke so much and i like to sing and i like to have fun i'm not up there trying to be whitney houston i'm just up there to have a good time and it was early on in our relationship we i don't even think we were living together yet and i was out with my girlfriends you know another karaoke night and I was <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we're laughing at shit. I was going through, and they usually put it. They put it by song, and they put it by artist. And I like found the rat section, and I'm like, I'm singing every rat song. Usually, it's I sing every ACDC song, but I I thought you know that night. It was the night that I discovered this song because the first couple of songs that Anubis shared with me was like I don't know, round and round and lay it down, lay stuff like it that. down, back from war. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, good, wonderful. It sounds like an '80s band that just didn't quite make it, but I don't know how I never heard of Rat because they were successful. Like, very. I just <laughs> never heard a Rat song ever. So, the song I picked is Loving You is a Dirty Job. And the reason I picked it is because that karaoke night, looking under the rat section, I'm like, Loving You is a Dirty Job? That is amazing. That's me. That's wonderful. And when I heard it, I'm like, Loving You. Didn't even know the lyrics, and I'm up there singing the song, and it was amazing and fun. And technically, this came off. I, I, I wouldn't even say it was like the last great rat record. The last great rat, rat, rat record was uh, Reach for the Sky, which was for this. This came off Detonator. Um, obviously, this had like two or three good tracks on it, and then the follow up, which was self titled, had maybe a couple tracks, but it wasn't until. Uh, infestation that I thought that they'd gotten back to their roots but you know this is one of those songs that I really liked I think they had 
another song on this record that actually appeared on um, the Point Break soundtrack that year with uh, Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves. So, uh, yeah, this was this was like their first single, and it was pretty good. I mean, but hey, loving you is a dirty job. Loving me is definitely. A dirty <laughs> All right, well, here's Neko's pick of the week. Rat coming at you. I love me some rat and roll. Rat coming at you on the one and twos. Audio jump. Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's pick of the week.
people think that you are not a threat. But I know differently. Out of all of my sons, it was you I wanted to bring here. And it is you that I believe is the most important to the future of our people. I'm just about prepared to believe you. Shut up and listen, idiot. You have many gifts. Andrew is a gift. What is in here is a gift. You do not think like other men. You are unpredictable. And that will serve you well. Use your anger intelligently. And I promise you, my son, that one day the whole world will know and fear Ivar the Boneless. brings calamity, chaos, tragedy and death. Alright, we're back. We're back. And in the rock block, there was snow with skate fast, die hard. I thought you were going to say informer, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with that snow, for sure. Alright, uh, clip there from Viking Season 4 when Ragnar gives his last words to his son Ivar the Boneless who was paralyzed uh, from the waist down. Basically, Viking Season 6 Part 2 uh, finished up and it was sent straight to Amazon Prime which is cool because you got the power through all the episodes instead of waiting weekly. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Now... Neko stopped watching this probably around season four when Ragnar passed away. And I started trying to watch the next season. I just didn't feel as connected to it. Which makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was very difficult to keep and there was on. There's a lot of shit going on. They had too many side stories. And it's, it, did, it still continued that way. But I was able to stick through it. Um, got to season six part of five and six and uh understood what was happening but obviously the show felt like that it was time to call it a day i don't know if they're gonna still do the spinoffs season oh, so they wrapped it up yes they did and uh this part of the season the end of season part one season six part one is the battle of Cadigat, and bjorn is with uh king King Harold and they're fighting. Herod. Herod is it Herod? I don't know. So you're you're throwing me off because I'm pretty sure it's Harold. Harold. Okay. So they're they're fighting against Prince Oleg and okay. Ivar, who has joined up with them, and basically, Bjorn is stabbed with a sword by apparently Ivar, but some people have kind of mentioned that it might have been just a vision that he thought he might have got stabbed by another warrior but either way but Bjorn bites it well he it, at the end of season 6 part 1 we think he is uh, season 6 part 2 Bjorn's still alive they're taking him back to Kattegat he's seriously wounded obviously uh, Harold is also deeply wounded um Ivar's brother, uh, Hedrick, or 
Hivit Zerk, head six. Where? Right here. Play by Marco Isso, who does a fantastic job, by the way. Um, they uh, go back with Prince, and they figure, they think that Bjorn's dead. And what happens is, Bjorn is on his deathbed, but he's there with his two wives. One is which we realize is a witch. And Oh yeah, watch that that witch episode. So Bjorn decides he knows he's gonna die, so what he's gonna do is cause Prince Oleg is coming back with another force to try to finish the job. They get word that Bjorn's still alive and they they wanna take over Kattegat or whatever. So Bjorn decides, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to get myself up on my damn horse, put my armor on with a lot of help, and then go and pretend to be like this immortal god, like this, you know, one of his reputations is you just can't kill Bjorn. And even his youngest brother, uh, Herfsek, believed the same thing. So, as both armies are sitting there, Bjorn travels out on horse by himself, starts raising his sword, and the rest of the armies come up behind him and behind the other army of uh, uh, Prince Oleg, and they they managed to push him back. Like, they defeat today. They defeat Ivar, uh, who can't believe he's still alive. But, of course, they have a an archer who shoots arrows at uh, Bjorn. He doesn't go down, like, right away, but eventually he does succumb to his injuries there and dies. But it's too late for the Oleg's army because the rest of them have got the momentum and they're just going and kicking their ass. Um... This part of the season has a lot of closing of the loopholes and stuff like that with the characters. Um, one of the many things is the ending, the very last episode, which is uh, gives a lot of different things happening. Um, one of the other brothers, uh, Ubi, Uber, Ube, excuse me. Uber? Yeah, he's... The one that travels to Iceland and tries to find Floki and, you know, start a new life with his wife. And they have trouble because Floki's not there and they don't know what's going on. So they end up getting back on ships and trying to go. Because the place that they're at, I think, is Greenland. Which, isn't it, isn't it reverse? Greenland's like the really bad cold place and Iceland's like the really nice place. Well... Iceland has its downfalls, too, but Greenland, um, there's only so many areas that can be physically inhabited, and because of its location, they also end up with, like, kind of like Alaska. They get, like, a lot of darkness during the wintertime, and um, Greenland, for its small population the ratio of people who have mental illness and suicides is astounding. Like, I mean, it, it's not, it, it's crazy. Well, that's kind of funny because the, the, there's one guy, and I can't remember his name, he was there when Floki got there, he came along with the first party. He's the one that flipped out and killed uh, another family because of some feuding going on, but he's the one that's there when Ube gets there, and he's the one that travels with Ube to Iceland um, before, again, freaking the fuck out. Um, so anyway, th things start coming to a close. 
Uh, Ivar is in another battle now where they end up going back to Wessex. They decide that you know Ivar and Hefzerk return to Cadigan. By then, King Harold has gotten better and he's taken over because he was king of Norway. He, he came back, took over Cadigan as king. I planned on marrying both of Bjorn's wives, but one of them committed suicide because she wanted to be with Bjorn and the Valhalla and everything else. So it left him with the witch. And when he went off with Ivar to Wessex, that's a whole other story. Uh, she ended up taking over the throne because she killed the guy that she was with there. But again, you have to watch it to see it. So Harold and Ivar and Herfsek, they're all in Wessex. Uh, Harold ended up getting killed by uh, one of, uh, god damn, who's that dude named, um, the king of Wessex, whoever it was, I forget, he was the son from the previous guy, and I forget his name, pardon me, anywho, Harold's killed, um, which is what he wanted, basically, he knew, he kind of saw it coming anyway, um, and then we have, uh, Ivar and Herfsek, who are in their final battle and for what we find out that Ivar when his eyes turn blue which has been something constant throughout the series uh, it meant that his life was in danger and that he was in danger of bones breaking and everything else it's almost like an unbreakable thing with Samuel mm -hmm. Jackson in a way um, and going into the final battle Herfsek saw that his eyes were blue and was pleading with him not to go into battle, but I think Ivar was kind of ready at this point. So, he goes in, and <laughs> there's one fighter for the Christian army that is really kind of like a bitch boy who ends up facing Ivar at this point, and Ivar's like, don't be afraid, and then he just stabs him like multiple times, the Christian guy does, and then takes off, and then, of course, Ivar's dying, so Herfsek comes and, you know, is talking to him as he's going away. And it was actually the first moment where Ivar was scared to die. He was, like, crying and fearful of his own death. But Herfsek's there to, to reassure him that he'll be all right and all this other stuff. Uh, the interesting thing about Herfsek is that after the battle, he is taken in by the Christian king. And he decides that he's going to become a Christian. So he's going to follow Ragnar's uh, mm -hmm. footsteps there. Now the closure of this is interesting because they take the, his Christian name for her sake will be Athelstan. So oh, it, I loved Athelstan. Yeah, so that's a very interesting closure on that part. Now Uber, who is out in Iceland, another part of Iceland, they left Crazy Man with his whale. Um, so... They came to some more greener pastures on Iceland and came across where they were sort of corresponding with a tribe that was there uh, because they didn't really know the language. They started to learn it after a while, but at first they were just sharing like weapons and emblems and stuff like that, and they'd pass it back and forth to try to communicate. Eventually, they are welcomed in by this tribe. Oh, they got welcomed in? See, I saw the part where it was like, I thought they were all going to like... Well, yeah, because, you know, it was a little tension there. 
And there was another episode where one of Uber's clan had killed one of their guys, but that's kind of a side story. But eventually they're all getting along, and then there's talk because the lead chieftain or woman uh, sort of knows the Norwegian language. So she's like, and Uber picks up on this, and he's like, how do you know this? Because, like, you know our language, so someone's been here before. And she's like, tells him that there's been a crazy guy that was here years ago. Uh, and that was? And so Uber is, like, possessed. He wants to know who this guy is. He wants to meet him. So they take him, and they find, like, all these trees that have been carved. One carving is actually Ragnar's emblem. Ah! So, uh, this treehouse, the guy comes down in this little chair thing, and smiles abroad, it's fucking Floki. And he survived, so he managed to find his way there. And he's the one that's been communicating with this tribe and doing really well and getting along with them, so that's why there's this, like, okay, bonded thing going on. Now, obviously, when the one guy from Uber's tribe kills one of the tribesmen, Floki isn't really, like, intervening like he was before when he was in Greenland with the crazy man. Because that's where he got the See, I thought, honestly, I thought Floki died. Well, everyone did, and that's what a lot of them were saying, is that they thought crazy guy had killed him somewhere. Mm -hmm. But Floki kind of just disappeared, and then the series itself from 5 to 6... It kind of just left Floki's story out there and, you know, void. Like, mm -hmm. we just didn't know what was going on. We just knew that Floki had gotten fed up with the fighting and the, the killing. And he was like, you know, once the one girl from the family died, killed herself, you know, he was just like, he was lost. He didn't know what the gods were doing for him. He was like, I can't be here. So he left. Uh, now, of course, Uber finds him here and he's come to new terms about everything you know he's by himself and he's living and he kind of lot forgotten a lot of stuff because he was so depressed about everything so when uber's like asking do you remember what happened he's like not really but he, you know he remembers pieces but when it came to what happened with one of the clansmen killing uh the tribesmen you know he was like i can't intervene you know it's like you have to decide how you're gonna do because they he has good terms with this try he mm -hmm, is not mm -hmm. gonna he's not gonna make a decision one way yeah so ube at first was gonna give this guy the blood eagle which is a nasty little fucking thing but this guy was like terrified now granted this guy deserved everything coming because he was killed the guy because they gave him a piece of gold and that's what he wanted so he was being a selfish dickhead so anyway uh uber saves him in a sense, the torture, but <laughs> he tells him that he doesn't deserve Valhalla, which is what the Blood Eagle would do, so he just cuts his throat and lets him die. The yeah, Blood Without Eagle. any honor, yeah. And so that's basically what works out for Uber and his family and the tribes, because they come together and, you know, the tribes really want a justice. So they got it in that respect. So, uh, it left me a little bit, like, unsatisfied because I, I kind of wanted some things different than others. I, I do love the Floki ending a lot. Um, Ivar's I wasn't as impressed with, but uh, the one thing Ivar was pushing the whole time was that he wanted to be remembered as the greatest Viking ever, and 
you know, not because he was a cripple. You know, he was a great strategist uh, when it came to war. That's mm -hmm. why he was so successful there. Um, but eventually he succumbed to, I don't know, just the fact that he was tired. Kind of tired of fighting at one point, I think, kind of like his dad. So that was kind of a cool, interesting ending. Certainly worth it. Uh, that series is a really good one. Not as good as the first four seasons with Ragnar and Rolo, but... Uh, they did some justice, like I said, with even with Lagatha uh, last season uh, with her death and everything was all, you know, interesting and good. But she was a great character. Oh, I love Lagatha. So, yeah, it's just, you know, they, they kind of ran out of steam. But in the end, the whole series is pretty good. I, I really liked it. And the guy that, I can't remember his name, plays Bjorn. Mm -hmm. uh, great actor. I've seen him in other stuff, uh, more, you know, mainstream stuff. But he's a very good actor and did that part well. And he's, like, one of my favorite characters from that whole series. So, uh, even though I hated him dying, I liked the way that he went out. It was really good and well thought out. All right, well, let's get back into some music. We have some uh, horror pain giving us wolves attacking this. Classic Sepultura, but we're going to kick off some classic anthrax. This is Medusa.
that? That's fucking Wolf's Attack. Who the fuck was Wolf's Attack? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drawing fucking dicks on my face, circle.
looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and has highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find in other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you out. All right. DJ All right. Nico. DJ Nubis. So. So, who doesn't love penises? Well, I, I don't really care for them myself. You have one? You love yours? Not as much as you love it. <laughs> I do love your penis. But what's kind of funny is a cartoon for children about an enormously long penis. A penis that goes on adventures and solves, you know, riddles and puzzles and can barbecue and it's really kind of crazy. So crazy is not the word. <laughs> the name of the show is John Dillermond and it is a Danish children's <sighs> cartoon. <laughs> Pay now. <laughs> so it's supposed to be aimed at kids aged four to eight. And I haven't watched it myself. I've seen some stills, but this guy here, they're not like showing a giant erect penis with like the mushroom tip and it, it's not like anatomically correct. No, it, it looks, it like, looks like a hose a, coming yeah. out between his legs. And he wears, like, a red and white stripey outfit, so his penis is red and white stripey. And, like, right, this one still I'm looking at is his penis is lighting a grill to barbecue some hot dogs, which is quite fitting. But it just cracks me up because it, it, there is... I, I just, I don't even know what to say. Like, Well, it's aimed at kids four to eight years old, so, it, and granted, this is all in Denmark, so, like, you know, in America, this shit just wouldn't fly. It just wouldn't. Um, you know, and you can argue whether it's good or bad. It doesn't really matter. Uh, we Obviously, as Americans, we find it kind of funny because we know that stuff like this just doesn't exist in America. Like. And it's interesting, too, because it's it's on public television. Like, here, Sesame Street is on public television, and um, Morton Skov Hansen, the head of the children's department at public television, he's like, it's not really about the penis or genitals, per se, but it's about being true to oneself, including your flaws. Hence the... When I say this is like a jokingly long penis. It's like a rope. Come, it's like <coughs> Spider-Man. Like you could fling his penis and and swing. Yeah, I, I think as you put it, like it's trying to come to grips with deformity, and I, I think in a way, it's it's inadvertently trying to be like Elephant Man. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, for kids, obviously. And I'm not being graphic about it, but I'm just, I, for me personally, I'm not sure what exactly we're going to learn from this. Well, I mean... Even if I was in Denmark, I'm not sure what the... The one thing that they're saying is um, his his penis is, like, again, it's like his flaw. So it's it's kind of treating people to be kind to others who have disabilities. It's um, treating, you know, teaching kids like there was one episode in, in this article I read where he was somewhere and his long penis is just out and about, but somebody made a comment that it needs to be put away and he like obliged. The one thing that um, that they're kind of hinting at is like you know young kids and it's true young kids are very very curious about their bodies and they always kind of joke that little boys are always playing with their penises once they realize like you know they can touch it and pee and move around so they don't want to stigmatize the idea that yeah it's okay to be curious about your body they want you to say hey it's your body it it's okay to be curious. It's okay for it to be there. But they also, like, again, I haven't seen this. I'm just reading the articles. So they want you to understand, this sounds so terrible, like the right and wrong way to use your penis. Like, that's basically what they're kind of doing is like, it's like Sesame Street for your penis. Like, you know, there is a problem and I think, I think, the penis I think, is solving I think, it. I think what we've learned here with this particular topic is that Nicola just likes saying the word penis. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? His cock? I, I, it, no, it's, no, it's no, a no, penis. I'm just, I'm just but, like, laughing. look at these stills. Like, he's holding balloons with his penis. He's at the zoo, and he's, like, feeding lions with his penis. He's cooking. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, here he's blowing dandelions with his penis. He's it's not being used in a sexual manner. He has an enormously and ridiculously ridiculously long like stretch armstrong penis. And what's his name? Dillerbrand or something? Yeah, John Dillerman. We're going to call him Dilly Dilly. <laughs> well, <laughs> Dilly Dilly. So the the idea is really not so much to like bring pornographic images into no there's nothing graphic no because like he but... wear he wears that it looks like an old tiny bathing suit but like, you could have just made him like an abnormal hand and it would have been just as much as good I, I don't understand the whole penis thing like it doesn't make any sense <laughs> I think part of what they were getting at is is kind of like what I was hinting at earlier little boys like to play with their penises like look at this still right here they're they're playing badminton and he's playing with his hand and his penis so his penis is one thing and uh, one side and his hand you know it's it's kind of funny clearly i think it's hysterical but it's also like think of a kid's imagination do you even remember when you were younger and you first discovered that you had a penis? Like, what you would do with it and... I mean, I'm not... I, I am not 
getting dirty or graphic, but, like, you always hear, like, little boys have a harder time potty training and stuff because they get preoccupied with, you know, playing with their penis. <laughs> so, you have, you have nothing to say? Not really. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's, you know, like I said, this kind of stuff would just never fly in America. Now, granted, most of Europe and around the world is a little bit more easy going when it comes to sexual stuff like this. Now, it's not sexual, but the implication with his penis. And the thing is, they don't <coughs> come right out and say he uh, his penis is, like, super long. They just treat it as he has a third appendage kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, I get what you're saying, though. Like, maybe if, if they would have just shown, like, he had a third arm that grew out of the, his back or something, it might be a little bit more impactful. But the penis thing, I think, is partially shock and all. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, look at him. He's, he's feeding a lion with his penis. And it's he called it's a magic penis too. Like when they're there's gonna be so many jokes about this. For instance, forward. the penis wants an ice cream, and the great grandmother <laughs> says, "No, you can't have an ice cream." And then they go to the zoo, and it see and it sees ice cream, and it steals an ice cream. And because of this, the lion gets out and chases the children around. And John is about to say, "Oh, I can handle this. I'll just go away and leave it to someone else." But then he's like, "No, I have to handle this. I have to take care of this problem." And then the penis is slapping the lion. <laughs> I, I don't know. Certainly an interesting story, though. I don't know. We'll have to follow up on this. Cause I want I want to figure out how I can watch this. Again, YouTube. there is no actual visual penis. It looks like a rope coming out between his legs. It's, it is not an anatomically correct. It doesn't look like a penis, but the idea is suggested there that it is a penis and it's magical. So, my fair listeners, if you had a child... Yeah, that's the question of the day. Like, is this something you would allow your kids to watch? Like, that's really the thing. Like, we don't have kids, so we don't have to worry about it. We just watch shit like that for fun. But for your kids growing up, how would you go about letting them watch it or, or explain it to them as they're watching it? Like, granted, this is all in Denmark. So, But if this was in America, how would you deal with it? Like, I mean, and also, you have to think, like... There's lots of things in that realm that parents kind of control, as parents do. Like, you know, we've we've met people who have grown up in, you know, you grew up in a very religious family, but, like, we've met people who were even stricter, like, um, raised in the Jehovah's Witness religion, and they had never seen movies like Ghostbusters or Beetlejuice. And these are not, like, bad movies where people are, you know, it, it, they're kind of like, I think Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice are both rated PG, but because that their religion says, no, we don't believe in ghosts, we can't watch any movie that pertains to ghosts. So... It, it's not just, like, a penis thing. It's more like, 
you know, as a parent, you have to decide, is this gonna, like, make my kid, I don't know, scar them, or will it, but I, from the stills that we've seen, and from the articles that I've read, it's not like they're using the penis as a sexual thing, it's more like comedy. So, as DJ Anubis said, it could have easily been like a third arm or a third leg, but they they chose use the penis. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, maybe Denmark sees this as some sort of. Well, they 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 face some backlash too, but Denmark's a little bit more open. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like I said, Europe and Japan and all these other countries. Uh, generally are more lax when it comes to sexual issues. Well, I told you when I was, um, I wasn't even 21 yet. It was the spring break before I turned 21 and I, I went to Europe for a vacation. And the places that I went, like, it was, it was a little shocking to me because I was like, wow. Um, first of all, like nudity in things like statues and paintings and stuff is not a problem in in the public and other little things like you know like getting carded they really didn't care even i mean i'm not even sure what certain countries uh drinking laws are but i was in the Netherlands, France, and, and Belgium, and I was in Maryland in the U.S., you have to be 21 to drink, and I was not quite 21, and they didn't even card me or ask or blink an eye when I wanted alcohol, and in my hotel in Paris, we had a vending machine that was nothing but beer, and there were like Heineken vending machines all over the Netherlands. It's just a different kind of climate, I feel, than here. I mean... Oh, it is. is way it, off. Way different. Is anywhere around... Would you find a Heineken machine and just, like, drink? We Like, drinking... You drink on your lunch hour. Like, it was, it was very interesting. So, that's why I, I feel like it can kind of fly a little bit longer in Denmark than it could. Oh, well, it, it may go on forever over there. Like, you know, like I said, they don't have half the problems that we do in terms of, you know, censorship and stuff like that. And uptight mommies who... <laughs> God. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I just thought this was so interesting and hysterical at the same time. I'm sorry. I know. It nah, that's funny. It's not as interesting as anything. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I right. like this magic penis, alright? Yeah, she likes the magic penis. That she likes magic penises. That's the truth. Alright. We're gonna get ready to crash through this. Got some more music for you. Uh, gonna kick off the next block some Kralis, the form.
right. A pretext to human suffering. Rotting sanctum. DJ Nubis here. Neko went to relieve herself. We've been drinking, so I'm going to close out this bitch. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the topics. Hope you enjoyed the music. Look forward to our next podcast and episode 99. We're almost up to 100 actual 100 actual episodes. I have some extras in there from the past that I have them, so they don't really count. So we're getting there. Um, one last track left for you. It's Grave, Disembodied Steps. I hope you all enjoy your weekend. Take care. Be safe. And love you all. Chill out. Later.